We are in week two of a series we just simply have entitled Rhythms. As we kick off the new year, we're talking about healthy spiritual rhythms. How do we stay healthy? If you've ever had your sleep rhythm thrown off, how many of you have just never had a sleep rhythm since you've had kids? Okay. Uh, you, know, you know how detrimental to your health that can be. And so, so it's important that we as believers develop healthy spiritual rhythms. And I'm pumped that you're here. Let me tell you why. I really believe I just have a word from God for us today. I really believe that. Psalm chapter 40, beginning with verse one, go ahead and get there. There is coming a day when there will be no more Sunday morning service. There is coming a day where there'll be no more Wednesday night prayer service, no more uh, brotherhood or sisterhood. If you're new with us, that's our men's and women's ministries. No more Bible studies, no more missions trips, uh, no more altar calls, no more prayer partners. But the one thing that will always continue is worship. Last week, if you were here, we talked about a healthy rhythm of being in the Word. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? This week, I want to talk about the healthy rhythm of, of worship. Why do we worship? There are a lot of people think that worship has to do with music styles, has to do with preferences, has to do with this, has to do with that. I, I'm going to tell you here today that, that I, I think style and genre and preference has nothing to do with our worship of God. Can I have an amen? Revelation chapter four, verse eight says this, speaking of the end times, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the one who is and is to come. One preacher said it this way, if you are uncomfortable now with praise, then heaven will be tough. Because that's what's going on day and night. Are y'all awake out there? A.W. Tozer said it this way, go to church once a week, nobody pays attention. But worship God seven days a week, and you become strange. St. Augustine, he, he said it this way, a Christian should be a hallelujah from head to foot. Amen? So, so worship is, 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 is part of who we are as believers, and, and worship is vital and it's crucial. The reason why I'm telling you this as a church, scripture says this, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That means when we worship, God shows up. God shows up. Worship is vital. I read an article just recently that talked about there were some missionaries that spent some 25 years translating Testament in the language of the, the Chol Indians in northern Mexico, C-H-O-L. Today, the Chol church is thriving. There are more than 12,000 believers. And what's interesting is that when the missionaries first came, the Chol Indians didn't know how to sing. They, they, they weren't singing. But with the coming of the gospel, they, 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 they began to sing. In fact, they became known as the singers. Isn't it amazing that when the gospel is introduced, people have something to sing about? Can I have an amen? In Psalm chapter 40, I love this psalm. It's attributed to David or about David one thing that commentaries would agree with is that whoever penned Psalm 40 had been through it. How many of us have been through it? 
You tracking with me here today? This writes this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Verse two, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Verse three, he put a new song in my mouth. I want you to make note of that. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Let's pray. Father, for the next few minutes as we sink our teeth into your word, I ask that you begin to speak to us in a very real way. As we kick off this year, may this not just see, be another year where we simply check the spiritual box in our life, but, but Lord, may we grow in you. In your name we pray, amen. Again, the author had been through it. The, some commentators noted of Hebrews actually referenced uh, Psalm chapter 40 and, and tied it to Jesus. So there's, there's actually some messianic or, or, or Jesus overtones in there. But if you're taking notes today, there's just a few things I want you to get. And here's the first one. When it comes to, to worship, what we're reminded of is that, that our waiting is not pointless. If you were here today and you're going through it in your marriage with your kids and your finances and your health and your mind and your emotions and you're waiting on the Lord, our waiting is not pointless. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He said, I, I waited patiently. Literally in the original language, it indicates an intensity, an expectancy. I waited. Uh, the idea is this, that even though I am not there yet, even though I have not seen the breakthrough, the healing, all these things, I wait with expectation. I can expect God to do something. Boy, isn't that a good reminder here today? If you are in waiting, you're waiting for the, for the positive report, you're waiting for some good news, you're waiting for peace, you don't wait without hope, our hope is in the one true God. Can I have an amen? And we can wait with an intensity. We can wait knowing that, that God is gonna come through for us, why? Scripture says it, he turned to me and he heard my cry. He heard my cry. I, it, when Jen and I had, had our first child, Wyatt, if you remember what it's like to have that first child, everything's a big deal. If there's a cough in the middle of the night, man, you are just, you're on alert. If there's a cry, if there's this, if there's that. But then the years go on. And, and you, and you kind of, you, how many parents know what I'm talking about? The second child, you're less concerned. I can remember Wyatt, when his pacifier would fall on the floor, I mean, that thing was treated like it was a biohazard. It was boiled to, to like total cleanliness. Then Avery comes along and her pacifier, you know, falls on the floor and you're just, you know, put that thing right back in, right? 
But what's interesting, I enjoy being around new parents because if the kids are off in another room and they're playing uh, and there's a cry, you can always tell the new parents because they immediately go on alert, you know, wondering, listening for that cry. People that have been parents for a while, they understand what the different cries mean, right? So, so you can hear a certain cry and, 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 and some parents go on alert. Others like, no, 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 that's, that's, they saw a spider. They're fine. The cry happens again, and you're like, uh, uh, no, 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 that's, that's, uh, that's uh, I fell down, but I'm okay. But how many of you know as parents, there is that cry? You know when to move. Does this make sense here today? Uh, there are these things called baby monitors now, right? We didn't have these, but I mean, a camera that Bluetooths to a screen, I'm sure this has to do with Mark of the Beast, but whoa, that's for another day, right? Um, <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding, kind of. No, um, but, now, but now you can watch your kids, their every move, I mean, you can see it all. What am I trying to say here today? Uh, the Lord is attending to our cry, and the psalmist says it, Lord, when, when I cry out, you turn, you turn to me, you hear my cry. I love that, because you see that illustration over and over again. You heard me mention this just a few weeks ago, but Isaiah 49 passages of scripture where God's people who just had come to this idea that God had forgotten them and, and God speaks to the prophet and says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. What, what God is speaking to the prophet is, listen, it's impossible for a mother to forget her child. But as impossible as that is, it's even more impossible that I will forget you. Verse 16, he goes on to say this. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands and your walls are ever before me. I love that passage of scripture. God is speaking to people that assumed that he'd forgotten. He said, I will not forget you. You may feel forgotten, but you are not forgotten. Woodlake family, I want to remind you, your feelings, my feelings, they will fail us. And when our feelings fail, we got to go back to the word. Can I have an amen? That was last week's message. If you, We got to go back to the word. He says this, he says, I have cut you into the palm of my hand. I have engraved you. The Hebrew word means I, I have cut you into the palm of my hand. You are ever before me. Uh, what this does, this prophecy finds ultimate fulfilling and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, his nail scarred hands. Can I have an amen? What I'm trying to say here today is if you think God has gone hands off on you, if you think God has forgotten you, if your life is in a godless season here today, let me encourage you. It is impossible for your heavenly father to ever forget you. Can I have an amen? And the psalmist says it, when I cry out to you, you turn to me. I love that. As a parent, we can't help but turn towards our children. Amen? Our waiting is The people of God can expect a move of God. I'm gonna say that again and you're gonna say amen like that was good, okay? The people of God can expect a move of God. Oh, you're good, you're good, okay. Here's the second thing I want us to get this morning. When I'm at my lowest point, he lifts me up. Have you ever 
just been in a low season in your life? Have you ever, let's just, let's, let, let's just talk about it. Let's just be real, okay? Have you ever come into church and you put the church face on, but deep down, you're at a pretty low point? We've all been there. He goes on to say this, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, firm place to stand. I love how the King James Version reads of this verse. He says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the, the miry clay. Horrible pit. Doesn't that describe life sometime? Lord, I'm low. That word pit, uh, there, there's some... There's some disagreement on what it means. There's a couple of different meanings of that word that really pop out. One of them is it refers to a, a cistern, uh, uh, something that was meant to catch water. This last spring, Jen and I were, were, got the opportunity to be in Israel, and we saw these ancient cisterns, some of them over 20 feet deep, and it, it's very dry, so when it would rain, they, they would catch water. The idea of being stuck down in one of these is absolutely terrifying. There's no way out. That the connotation, not only am I in a pit, not only am I in the dark, no, not only am I, am I low, but I'm also drowning. Does that feel familiar? Have you ever felt like life was just trying to hold you, not just down, but hold you under? There's another connotation of this word that, that, that it's the realm of the dead as if you were in some type of, some type of grave and, and the psalmist is just worshiping the Lord and said he brought me out of the horrible pit when I was drowning, when I was at my lowest he, he brought me out when I, when I couldn't get my, my, my foothold and when I, when I thought I was dead when I thought it was all over, God you raised me up. Is there anybody in the house today that can testify that God will raise you up? In fact, let me just explain it this way. If you still have a pulse, you have a reason to praise. Can I have an amen? One old preacher said it this way. Speaking of this idea of David writing this, that God brought him up, God stood him up, and God tuned him up. Amen. He says this, he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. Set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. You may be in here today or you may be watching a line and maybe it's something going on in your marriage, your job, your emotions, something going on in your finances. And have you ever been at a place of life where it feels like you just couldn't get a foothold? That slimy pit, you couldn't, you couldn't get your footing, you, you, you couldn't stand up, and the psalmist is just praising the Lord. He says, not only does he raise me up out of that, but he gives me a place to stand. The rock, the rock of stability. 
I find it interesting, but Jesus is referred to as the rock of our salvation. Amen? Let me pause and just preach there for just a moment. Uh, I want to remind you here today, if you're wondering about being saved, if this Jesus thing is enough, if the cross of Christ is enough, he's referred to as our rock. I'm so thankful that I am saved today and my salvation is not based on my works. Can I have an amen? My salvation is not based on somebody else saying so. My salvation is based on the rock, Jesus Christ. In baseball, I I love baseball. But the pitchers pitch from a a pitcher's mound and there's a a piece of equipment on that pitcher's mound called called a pitching rubber. The pitcher stands on that to deliver the pitch. For that is to give the pitcher something solid to to stand on. But not just that, it gives the pitcher something solid to drive off of when he's delivering the pitch. Does that make sense? Otherwise, he's just in the dirt and the the dirt gets loose and they they lose their footing. But they they have this pitching rubber where they can can, can be be solid and get, get their footing and drive off. Let me tell you why that's important. The King James Version says this, that he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. Now, in my office this week, I had this this cool thought. The King James Version says it so wonderfully. He he established my, my goings. Not only does he raise me up out of the pit when I thought I was going under, not only does he raise me up where I think I'm gonna drown and be forgotten, it feels like, it, like I'm dead, like, like there's no use going on. Not only does he raise me up out of that, but he places me on the rock. He gives me a firm, stable place to do life from. And then the King James comes back and says this, and he establishes my goings. What I'm trying to say is this is here today. Not only does he raise us up, he gives us a firm foothold to push off into what he has next for us. Can I have an amen? I want to encourage you here today because some of you are thinking, I'm in survival mode. I may not die, but life is over. I just better survive. No, 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 no. He establishes our goings. In Christ, there's always a next. Can I have an amen? And he's going to give us a firm foothold to push off into that. Somebody give the Lord a big round of applause today. Amen. Maybe some of us begin to need to, we need to praise the Lord and say, Lord, it's time to quit worrying about the Lord. Start praising you for what is next. Here's the last thing I want you to get. There will always be another reason to praise And if you get nothing else, I want you to write that down. Verse three says it this way. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. I'm gonna camp here for just a moment. He puts a new song in my mouth. I have never been a singer. Someone asked me the other day, they said, do you know, what, what key do you like to see in? I don't know, the key of, key of, yeah, I don't know. 
I'm not a singer. But worshiping the Lord, this new song, is not about if we think we can sing. One article written by a professor said this, singing helps reduce stress because it forces us to breathe deeply and use our lungs to full capacity. It relaxes the body and helps lower the blood pressure. Singing is important. We're a singing people. Pastor, are you telling me I have to sing when I come into this place? What I'm trying to say is I think singing would be good for you. The psalmist, and again, we got to think that the psalmist is getting this downloaded into him from the Holy Spirit. He puts a a noose in my mouth. That is not an accidental phrase. It's not just simply some, some poetic language. What the psalmist is saying is, Lord, I've had plenty of reason to praise you up until now. I can sing of your goodness. I can sing of your mercy. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It's implying that the psalmist already had a a playlist. Does that make sense? Some of you, your favorite station is the oldies station. How many of you know that the term oldies, when it comes to music, there are a lot of different opinions on what that is, right? I was around some of our youth group the other day and they made some comment about music and they said, that was way back in the 2000s. Anybody feel old yet? But the psalmist is just crying out, Lord, you lifted me up, you brought me out and you put a new song in my mouth. What the psalmist is implying, he says, Lord, I've had so many reasons to sing. I've had oldies that I've been playing. I've been singing to you. I, I've praised you when you saved me here. I praised you when you healed me here. I praise you when you provide me here. But Lord, you're going to put a new song in my mouth. Lord, I'm praising you already because I know there's already another occasion to praise you and it's on its way. Are you all excited this morning? If you hear nothing else on this cold Sunday morning, let your pastor encourage you. You may be in a pit today. You may be drowning today. You may be singing some old songs, but there is yet another reason on its way to praise the Lord. Reminds me of the old song, He Brought Me Out. If you were raised in church, you probably sang it. If you were raised in a southern church, you sang it this way. If you were raised in a gospel church, it was sang another way, but it was written in 1898, and here's the chorus. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. There's going to be another reason, reason to pray, praise. There's going to be another reason to worship. You may not have it today, but rest assured, it is on its way. Now, I've got to give you a disclaimer. George Barna did a study recently that said this, and I quote, 
the main reason millions of people in America every week is not to worship God, but is instead to have a pleasing experience. I had to read that twice. And I must admit, there are some moments that I walk into worship gatherings and I'm looking for that pleasing experience. And that's not all bad, but that can't be the only reason we come to church. If the coffee is just right, if the greeters are friendly enough, and I love all of our greeters, give them a huge round of applause, amen. They're amazing. If the building looks this way, if the experience is, is that way, David is actually noted in Psalm 22 for saying this, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. What David is, is saying this, I don't need the experience just right. The source of my praise, the theme of my praise, Lord, is you. So Woodlake family, I want to challenge us when we talk about a healthy rhythm of worship. Do we have the right you? If I need a particular style of music, if I need this, if I need that, in order to praise, then I have the wrong you. David said it, from you comes the theme of my praise. The last part of Psalm 40 reads like this. Many will see and fear the Lord. Listen to this. And put their trust in him. Woodlake family, as we talk about a healthy rhythm of worship, I want to challenge you on Sundays and Wednesdays and when we gather as a church family come ready to worship if you're here today and you're at a low point like the psalmist you feel as if you're in a, a pit one version called it a, a roaring pit if you feel like you're there I, I, I want to encourage you God will bring you out of this pit like he brought you out of the last pit and when he brings you out, he's going to give you a, a firm foundation to stand. There, there's no more slipping and sliding. He's going to establish your goings. You can push off to what's next. He's going to put a new song in your mouth. If you're here today and you're, you're still singing the old song, listen, it, until you have a new song, sing the old song. Amen? But here's the question. Do we have the right you? Acts chapter 6. Servants of God, Paul and Silas, were in prison for doing the work of the Lord. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever like followed this thing and still found yourself in a bad place? It will happen. Paul and Silas were in prison, they were bound. Scripture says that about midnight, they were singing praises and hymns to God. Scripture says while the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26 of Acts 16 says this, that 
Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open. And listen to this, if, okay, I, everyone's chains came loose. Picture this with me, if you will. Servants of God doing the work of God, the will of God, and still found them themselves in a pit in prison. And instead of, of going into complaining mode, which I'm very good at, anybody else? Instead of questioning, scripture implies that it was completely dark. They just began to worship the Lord. Others were listening. Again, there's a violent earthquake that shakes. The prison doors flow, but it says it shook the foundation. And I love that. <clears throat> and everyone's chains came loose. I'm going to preach that for just a moment, but, but listen. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? It was customary of that day in that culture that if the jailer allowed any prisoner to escape, them with his own life so if they escaped his life was over but Paul shouted don't harm yourself we are all here and look at the response the jailer called for lights see it was dark he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas he then brought them out and asked sirs what must I do to be saved Woodlake family I want to remind you why do we need to worship? First of all, we have every reason to. I said we have every reason to. And if you're in a pit today, I want to encourage you. He's going to raise you up. Well, Jamie, how do I know he's going to raise me up? Because he's done it before. Amen? If you're here today and you can't get your foothold, I, I want to encourage you. Begin to worship the Lord as the psalmist says it. He raises me up out of the miry clay, out of the roaring pit, out of the cistern, and he sets me on a rock. And then he my goings. There's a next on its way. He puts a new song in my mouth. Lord, I don't know what that blessing is. I don't know what that provision is. I don't know where that peace is going to come from. But it is on its way. You're going to put a new song in my mouth. And as we worship, there are other people that will have powerful, radical encounters with God because of our worship. I love that. If you're here today and you'd say, boy, cool speech, but do I really have a reason to worship? Yeah, you do. And this is it. And you hear me say it every week. It's because God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, let me tell you why you can praise him. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? The version says it this way, that God commanded his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Scripture says that he loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, pay the penalty for all of our sin, all of our mistakes. And then Scripture says this, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Scripture says it's his will that none should perish, but all come to everlasting life in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're here today, I want to remind you, it is God's will for you to be saved in Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a reason to praise. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. 
I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that today. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? If you're new with us, we do this every week. And the reason why I do this is I, I just challenge everybody to pause and say, hey, wh- why did I show be here today? And if you're here today and you'd say, pastor, that's me. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to quit playing a game. I need to say yes to what Jesus Christ did for me on a cross. I'm going to start today with a reason to praise God for my salvation and my right standing with him. If that's you today, I want you to simply raise your hand on the count of three. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to say yes to the Lord today. I need to be forgiven of my sin. Here we go. One, two, you hold that hand up. Here we go. Three, that's me. Would you hold it up? All across this place, amen. Again, if you're watching online, you let us know right now you're saying yes to the Lord. Amen. I'm gonna invite everyone to simply pray this prayer with me. If, if you're new with us, we, we call it the prayer of faith. If you're saying yes to the Lord today, let me just be and lead you in this prayer of faith. Everyone pray it. Dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen.